0: This is the Austin Life Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Good morning, how are we doing? Yes, yeah! Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Thomas, that was, I felt that love, I felt that love. Um, It it is my birthday, Um, that's so, okay, okay, that's enough, that's enough. I've been wanting a truck for a while, and so Miles got me a truck today. Um, He was very proud of himself with this one. He had this like look on his face, like (laughs) "I got him, I got him." It was great. Um, I'm I'm actually impressed with him. I'm proud of it. So um, this is this is good. This is good. I would take this. Um, Looks got a spare tire and everything. So, um, anyways, Michaela says I'm basically 40. Um, I'm not, I'm 39, Um, but she's like, you're basically 40, we'll just round up. I'm like, dang, come on, kid. All right, we're going to be at the end of Mark chapter 11, and then we're going to even go into Mark chapter 12. Uh, So we're just going to read it all, Mark 11, 27 through chapter 12, verse 12, and then we will talk about what Jesus is is saying to us um, in this passage, what he wants us to gain uh, from this. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Mark 11. Uh, if you don't, verses will be on the screen. Uh, there's always some Bibles in the back as well. If you, if you like a paper copy, if you don't have one, take it. Uh, give it away to your neighbors. Um, we just we believe that this is the word, this is the truth. Um, we all build our lives on something to be true, and we believe this is true, that God's word is absolutely true, and we're going to build our lives out of what he says. Uh, so Mark chapter 11, starting verse 27. Uh, let's just read together. And they came again to Jerusalem, that's Jesus and his disciples, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, if we save from heaven, he will say, well, then why did you not believe him? But if, shall we say for men, they were afraid of the people for they all had, had all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard, and they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant, and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. As as people, as humans, I know for myself, I'm gonna guess for for you all as well, um, one of the things that we hate most in life, one of the things I hate most in life is when someone tells me what to do, right? Anybody else feel that way? Okay, I saw, I saw a little hand there, like I don't want to raise it too high, but yep. I hate it when, when someone else tells me what to do, especially when it's like, it's different if it's like a, a syllabus and a professor, like, hey, here's what you do for your grade. But when someone's like correcting me and like, hey, you should have done it this way. Or hey, you need to you need to keep up with this. Like it just rubs me the wrong way. Like I hate it when people tell me what to do. And and I I know I know that many of you, if not all of you, are in the same boat. Like it's the le- like just you know what? Let me quit stepping on my toes. Let me live my life. I'm a smart person. I'm a grown up. I can figure this out. Leave me alone, and I'll get it together. Okay. Like even though we, a lot of times we'll know they're right. Like, we know they're right. At the same time, we're like, I. you tell me that again, and I will, I will punch you in the throat. Like, if you just, you know, like, there, there's just this pride that runs deep within us that we know, we know that they're right. But just gummit, don't you tell me. <laughs> like, I don't want you to tell me. Our pride runs deep at times too, right? Rather than just owning it, like, we'll just dig our heels in and just try to, dig ourselves out of that hole but i I don't know about you last time i tried to dig myself i've never tried to dig myself out of a hole this is an analogy but try to dig yourself out of a hole what's going to happen you're just going to go deeper in the hole thank you that's smart smart one right there good job yeah You can't dig yourself out of a hole, you just dig yourself deeper into the hole, but gosh, so many times, come on, I know you know, like mom or dad tell you something, your spouse tells you something, your best friend, and you're just like, nope, not doing it. Not, and you just dig your heels in, and next thing you know, you're deeper in the mess, and the people around you are deeper in the mess because of our stubborn refusal to submit to the direction of another. Just an example for me, is, Erica, don't shake your head at me, is I keep having these back issues. I keep having these back issues. And like I'll go to work out and Stephanie or one of my coaches or Erica will be like, hey, take it easy. And I'm like, don't tell me what to do. I know how to lift weights, right? And I'm like, just scale down the weights. And I'm, like, I'm not scaling down the weights. I look like a newbie, right? So of course, what do I do? Put the weights back on. It's like, well, there it goes again. I'm done. So right now I've got this back issue that literally, it's like I can't sleep at night. And so not only am I digging myself in deeper in the hole because I don't stretch my hip flexors, I know, yes. And I don't fo- foam roll my quads. Like I'm, I'm told what to do, but there's this stubborn pride in me that's like, I'm still young. I'm, just, I'm still in my 30s. like, You know, like so I'm on the back end of it. So what, right? Like I can handle this. But then I continue to tweak my back. And now, you know, it's like, I have woken Stephanie up at least a couple nights because I'm apparently yelling in my sleep because it hurts. So I'm just not only digging myself into this hole, but now my pain is affecting other people's sleep. You know, I'm not as mobile or, or able to, to move things around. Like it it literally is affecting other people because I won't just be humble enough to stretch my hip flexors before I work out and, and scale down the weight, right? Anybody else? You know, anything like that? Come on, I'm not alone. Like, you know, there's things where you're like, it, knew I should have done that a long time ago. So here's here's the problem. Our stubborn refusal to submit to the direction, the correction, the leadership of others will at some point catch up with us. And we'll just dig ourselves deeper into a mess and it will affect those around us. That, that pride that we oftentimes want to stand on our own two feet, don't, be, don't tell me what to do, I can take care of this, right? Like it, it's only going to dig us deeper into a mess and impact those around us. And what Jesus is getting at today is that if, if we refuse to submit to him and to his direction for our lives, it will ultimately lead to our destruction and separation from God. This natural, prideful tendency of us to, let me go handle things on my own, it's going to go bad for us at some point. It's going to affect people around us. And when it comes to God, if we refuse to submit and surrender to the authority of Jesus, it will put a divide between us and our relationship with God, potentially for all of eternity. And that's what we see here in Mark chapter 11. The next few passages are Jesus interacting with the churchgoers. He's having conversations with the religious leaders, with the people who should be getting it all right. That's his his audience. And so as as we're all here today in a a worship service, uh, it would be good for us to lean into this and just ask ourselves, okay, is this me? Am I like these leaders who maybe perhaps are doing the right thing, but, but down deep, we're refusing to surrender and submit to the authority of Jesus in our lives? Would you be willing to ask yourself that question? Is there anywhere that you're, you're stubbornly digging your heels in and you know what God says, you know what Jesus says, but yet you're refusing to surrender and submit to his authority in your life. It will bring destruction in some way, in some form, and potentially for all of eternity. Jesus says that really Mark records that they came into Jerusalem again, right? So you got Jesus and the disciples making this trip back and forth from from Bethany into Jerusalem, and as he's walking in the temple, he's walking on the church grounds, so to say, it says the chief priests and the scribes and the elders come up to him. These three people, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders make up what is known as the Sanhedrin. It's the the leadership of Israel, of, of the Jewish people. They were the ones that, man, they knew their Bible frontwards and backwards and up and down and left and right. These are the people that by the time they were 10, 11, 12 year olds, they had memorized the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. How do you get through Leviticus? Good gracious, right? They had memorized the first, like they knew their stuff. They, they knew what God said to do, and they did it. They did it well, as well as anybody. And so these are the people that, man, they know, if anybody's gonna get it right, it's them. You don't challenge them on religious matters, right? They know their stuff. They, they were powerful. They had the, the power among their people to, to convict and condemn even to the punishment of death if someone is breaking the religious law. So these three people that make up the, the upper echelon of, of Israel, the Sanhedrin, these are the ones that approach Jesus. And for the most part, no one pushed back on them ever. Right, no one was like, hey, stop that. You're, you're, you're missing the point, except Jesus. Frequently, right, Jesus would, would be like, hey, you are a whitewashed tomb, right? Like you're, you're, a, you're, you're a bowl and you're clean on the outside, but on the inside, you're, you're filthy. Like you look the part, you're doing all the right things, everyone around you is fooled by you, but I see it down inside and it's, it's a mess. You honor God with your lips, you sing the songs, right, you say the right things, but your heart is far from him. Jesus would routinely push back on these people, these religious leaders, because they, they looked the part on the outside. They were a, they, they appeared to be a fruit tree, but when you got up close, there was no fruit. They appeared to be a people that that worshiped God, but when you got up close, they were really worshiping themselves. Religion was just a means to their end. It made them feel good. It gave them power. It gave them a people to have influence over. And so Jesus would routinely push back and tell them, hey, you're you're doing this wrong. He called them out on their hypocrisy. He called them out. Now, now, I think it's important. Like I said, before we start looking at these people and we're like, yeah, dang hypocrites. Gosh, why didn't they ever get their act together? Right, like let's, let's also admit that, that we too have a tendency to refuse to submit to the authority of God in our lives. There's things too that, that God has told us that we're like, let me see if I can work my way around this, All right? Let me see if I can twist the meaning just a little bit of this word so that it suits my agenda. Like maybe, like we also, also too have this tendency to, to know what God says, but but perhaps refuse to submit and surrender to his authority, to his leadership. And so, before we start thinking like, "Gosh, I know these people," Are you kidding me? Like, well, let's let's just ask God again. Okay, God, what, where, where am I in this? Am I one of the religious churchgoers who who does the right things? that says the says the right things with my lips but perhaps my heart is far from god perhaps my heart and my true motives is more for myself than for god so let's 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 just all right god what do you have for us here right what what are you what are you saying and so these the sanhedrin the religious leaders they come up to jesus in verse 28 they say by what authority are you doing these things Or who gave you this authority to do them? If you look backwards and remember, right, Jesus has just cleared out the temple. He came into the temple where he expected to find worshipers of God, and instead he he found worshipers of self who were manipulating and exploiting people out of their money. And Jesus flipped the tables over. John says he made a, a whip, and he just started whipping it around and like driving people out. You know, we see him casting out demons and healing the sick on the Sabbath. All these things where the, the Sanhedrin, the, the elders and the leaders are like, you can't heal on the Sabbath. We see Jesus doing these things, and they're like, who, who what authority do you have this by? Where did you get this authority, Jesus? Now, I mean, you, you, you and I know just reading this, right? Like, they're not genuinely asking, and they like, Jesus, where did this authority come from? We'd really like to know so we could submit to it, <laughs> right? Like, like, it doesn't, t- like we know, we know that's not what they're asking. This is a, who the heck do you think you are? Jesus, you're gonna come in here and step on our, toe? Like, like we're the top of the org chart. We have the influence and power here and you're gonna try to come up in here and tell us we're doing things wrong? You're gonna come up here and, and try to correct us and tell us what to do? Who do you think you are, Jesus? Where do you get this authority? Huh? Where, where do you think you get off telling me to, how to live my life? Telling me what I should or shouldn't do, how I should or shouldn't treat people. Jesus, who do you think you are? You ever had a thought like that? I mean, I, I would bet we probably aren't that, that bold in our declaration to it, but ever had a thought like, you, I'm sorry, you want me to love my enemies? To, to do good to those who persecute me? Time out, time out, Jesus. What? what? No, who do you think you are, Jesus? Their, their hope is to, is to trap him. Their hope is, is to get Jesus to say one of two things. Either one, Jesus is gonna say, like, well, the authority's all mine. And then everybody will really discredit him he'll be a lunatic be a crazy man or they're they're really hoping that jesus is going to say what he's already said which is the authority i have comes from my father in heaven i i am god they're hoping he'll say that because then as the sanhedrin they can condemn him of blasphemy and execute him that's their real agenda here Get Jesus to say that my authority is from my Father in heaven, that I am the Son of God, so that they can condemn him for blasphemy and have him executed and be done with this problem, Jesus, who keeps telling them how to live. That's their, their angle. Who are you, Jesus? Who do you think you are? Now, now, we have to, you're sitting here, you and I, we have the same question to answer. Who is Jesus does he have this authority in your life in my life to tell us how to live c.s lewis is famous for saying that we each we all have one of three choices when it comes to jesus jesus is a historical figure he lived on this earth like we can't we can't deny that nobody's going to deny that the man jesus of nazareth lived on this earth no one's going to deny that he he taught these things he made these claims right Like, it's it's, it's outside of even religious circles. Agree with that about Jesus. So then you and I have to answer the question, who do we believe Jesus is? What authority does he have? And C.S. Lewis says we have one of three options. Either one, he's a liar. Two, he's a lunatic. Or three, he's Lord. Those are our options. Jesus claimed to have the authority from his Father in heaven to be the Son of God himself. Now, either he was making these claims and knew that he wasn't that, and thus he is a liar, thus he is a blasphemer and can be condemned, or he actually thinks he is the Son of God but isn't, and he's a lunatic, he's crazy, or He's making the claims to be the son of God, and he is the son of God, and thus he is Lord. Those are really the three options we have for this man, Jesus. And so you're here today, and, and you're at least mostly checked in with me, so that's what you get to choose right now. Who is Jesus? What authority does he have? Is he a liar? meaning he's claiming to be God and claiming to have authority over your life and my life, and he, and he doesn't, and so he's a liar, and at which point, let's move on. Who wants to follow a liar? Or he's a lunatic. He's not really, but he sure does like to think he is. Again, let's move on. Or he is the son of God, at which point he deserves our full surrender and allegiance Who do you say he is? Who do you say he is? The Sanhedrin believed him to be a liar. And it was their aim to condemn him and have him removed. Who do you say Jesus is? Those are options. Those are options. So they ask him this question. Their hope is to trap him, to condemn him and have him executed. But Jesus responds in verse 29. He says, I will ask you one question. He just turns the table, right? Don't you love it when someone answers a question with a question? Jesus does that all the time. Jesus, who are you? What's your authority? I'm going to ask you a question. And he says, answer me this and I'll, I'll tell you. You be truthful with me, I'll be truthful with you. We'll do this. We can play. We'll do this. By what authority was John, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or from man? So now, why is Jesus asking them this question? John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. He came before Jesus. And the whole ministry of John was to say, hey, everybody, listen up. There's one coming after me that is the Messiah, the one that comes behind my footsteps. He is the one who has come to save us from our sins and restore us into a relationship with God. If you believe what I'm telling you to be true, come and be baptized. Turn away from your sins and place your faith in the one who's coming after me. Right? That's, that's John's ministry and message. The Messiah is coming. If you believe what I'm telling you to be true, be baptized to turn away from your sins and place your faith in the Messiah that is going to come. So the problem the Sanhedrin was in is that most of their friends and family and probably even some of them believe that John was a prophet, believe that John spoke the word of God and they thought, man, if we discount his ministry, we're gonna have a stinking riot on our hands and we're ultimately gonna lose our influence and power, which is what they care most about. Right, if we denounce John the Baptist, this place is gonna go nuts. And we're gonna lose control and power so we can't denounce John the Baptist. But here's their problem. John the Baptist said the Messiah is Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. In John chapter one, verse 29, John sees Jesus walking and this is what he says. Dadgummit. Okay, got it. The next day he saw, he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. John the Baptist, his message is that there's a Messiah coming behind him, after him, and that that Messiah is the one who will save us from our sins and restore us into a right relationship with God. John looks at Jesus and says, that's the Messiah. And so these Sanhedrin are in a pickle because to to denounce John is going to bring a riot and they're going to lose their power and influence and control. But to support John is to agree with John that Jesus is the Messiah. That the authority that Jesus has comes from God. And so they're sitting there and they're going, we don't want Jesus, but we don't want to lose our power. We don't want Jesus, but we don't want to lose our power. What do we do? Light bulb, idea. What do we do when we're caught? What do we do when we're trapped? It says they discussed it. They came to this conclusion. Verse 33, they answered him. We don't know, Jesus. We got nothing. We don't know. Or what do we do when we're, when we're caught in our trap? Oh, we lie, we hide, we cover. I don't know, I don't know. Right, we see it with our kids all the time. What were you doing? I don't know. How'd the TV get on that channel? I don't know, it's weird. It's just popped up. How's it on YouTube? I don't know. Somebody else did it, right? Now we see it all the time with, how did that break? Wind? Inside, I don't know, right? Like we do that, right? We we're, we're caught, and so what do we do? We claim ignorance because if we're like I don't know, like well you have to prove it. Well, they can't prove it either, right? So we're just kind of like in this place of, of ignorance, right? And so, but we do that as adults too, don't we? Right? We get we get stuck, we get trapped, we get caught, and so what do we do? I don't know. Hey, what happened last night? I, I don't I don't know, I don't remember. You don't remember? No, I don't remember. Blurry. You can't give me details. Nah, no, I got nothing. What, what happened to the report that you're supposed to turn in? I don't know. It must have happened. Some, something in the interweb just got lost. I don't know what happened, right? In, in, our, in our selfish pride, we refuse to submit to authority. We refuse to own our mistakes. We refuse to surrender to someone above us and we dig our heels in, right? We cross our arms and we just start digging that hole deeper and deeper and deeper. That's what they're doing. They refuse to surrender and submit to the authority of Jesus. They refuse to give up their power. They refuse to surrender to Jesus. So they just say, I don't know, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna play your game, Jesus. You tell me. They dig their heels in. They refuse to humbly submit to the authority of Jesus in in their lives. So so let's ask ourselves Is there anywhere where we are like them? Where we refuse to surrender and submit to the authority and rule of Jesus in our lives? We We want to live life our way, but Jesus says, go this way. Are we willing to let go of anything and everything and submit and surrender to the authority and lordship of Jesus in our lives? Is there anywhere where God's told us to go right and we're just holding tightly to left and we refuse to let it go? We refuse to surrender to his authority and leadership in our lives. Now, the reason that God tells us this is not because God needs us to be good people. He needs us to be good church folk that obey the rules. Right? God is God with or without our obedience. His glory is his glory. You and I don't carry the power to, to change that. He is God. He calls us to follow him and to submit to his authority because he is the firm foundation and that when we refuse to submit to his authority, we are only digging ourselves a deeper hole that will eventually bring destruction into our lives. And if we go to our graves without surrendering and submitting to the authority of Jesus, we will find eternal destruction from God. That is why Jesus cares about this, because it's for our own good in his glory. Our glorifying God is our good so Jesus cares for us that we surrender to him and to submit to his authority and so Jesus tells them this story this parable right it's a it's a story with a, with a with a purpose with a meaning and he says there was this landowner who had everything he had so much wealth and he buys this this land and he builds this beautiful vineyard and he puts this fence and this border around it so that everybody and everything in it can be protected and flourish and thrive. And then he goes and he hires these, these outsiders and he puts them in his home. And he entrusts them to care for the vineyard and to care for one another, to, to build up a place of flourishing and of life. It wasn't any of their land. It wasn't their vineyard. It wasn't their money. This owner hired them. This owner entrusted them to this land but they started getting pretty confident in themselves and decided that they wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to build a place for themselves, live life their way. The owner's not even here right now. We can do our own thing. Well, then the time comes that it's it's time to, to reap the harvest that he planted, and so the owner sends a servant, and what do they do? We're not giving up our land, we're not giving up our place, this is ours now. And so they beat the servant. You get nothing. And the owner, in incredible patience, incredible mercy, is like, let me try this again. Sends another servant. What do they do to that servant? Beat him up too. You're not telling us what to do. This is our land now. This is our lives. The owner, in patience, and mercy, what does he do? Sends another servant. What do they do to him? They kill him. Nope. You're not telling us what to do. We're our own bosses now. We're in control of our own lives now. This is our fruits. This is our hard work. And he keeps sending more and more and more of his servants, and they just beat him or kill him. Until finally the owner's like, I'll send my son. My one beloved son. My son who brings me delight and joy, I'll send my son. Surely they'll respect and honor and submit to the authority of my son. So he sends his son. They refuse to submit to the authority of the owner, even to the point of killing the owner's son. They're so stubborn and set in their ways. They've become so arrogant to think This is ours. Never mind that it wasn't ours to begin with. Never mind that we were given a job. Never mind that we were given the privilege to enjoy the fruit of the land. This is ours now. No one's gonna tell us how to live. Send your son. We'll kill him too. They kill the son. What happens? At that point, the father comes back and destroys every last one of them because in their stubborn pride, they refused to submit to the good life that the owner gave them and they wanted to live life their way. And Jesus says, haven't you heard that the builders builders rejected the cornerstone? The cornerstone is the, the stone that the, the house or the building or the foundation is built around. You take out the cornerstone and eventually it all crumbles. You build on something other than the cornerstone and eventually it falls. Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the one that we are to build our lives on, that we are to surrender and submit our lives to and they rejected the cornerstone and with that, destruction comes. Jesus is warning these people. He's pleading with them if you stand firm in your stubborn refusal to submit to me, destruction will follow. And he tells this story so that that perhaps they'll see and they'll understand. But the Bible says that they kill the son. Not just in the parable, but that these leaders, and only a few days later, will kill the one beloved son of the father. Why? Why? Because they refuse to submit and surrender to his authority. No one's going to come in and tell them how to live. No one's going to come in and step on their toes, mess up what they've got going on. And so church, the, the same invitation is for us today. God has planted a vineyard He's built a home and none of it's ours. Yet he's entrusted us into this place to live and to work and to flourish and to thrive and to enjoy the fruits of his land. But when we start to think that we are higher than the owner, we are higher than God, and when we refuse to surrender and submit to His authority, we will find that God humbles the proud. That God stands in opposition to those who refuse to submit to His authority. That when we refuse to submit to authority, it is us killing the Son. And so the son was killed, but that was part of God's plan because it was by the death of the son that our sins can be forgiven. You and I have already stood against God. We've already rebelled against him and went our own way and refused to trust in him. Every last one of us. And so something has to be done with that guilt. Something has to be done with that rebellion. And so Jesus was killed in our place. It should have been us for our sin, and yet Jesus was killed for us. But then Jesus rose from the dead. He is not dead today. He is alive. And Jesus rose from the dead so that our sins could not only be forgiven, but we could be given his eternal life. We could be restored into right relationship with the Father to enjoy the blessings of his vineyard. What will get in our way? A stubborn refusal to surrender to the Son. If we, like the Pharisees and the scribes and the elders, if we refuse to surrender and to submit our lives to His authority, we will get in our own way of enjoying the fullness of life that God brings for us. Will you submit to Him? for your own good and joy in the vineyard that God is building for us today and for eternity. Will you trust him and surrender to him? Our pride runs deep. We don't like people to tell us what to do, especially when it means we've got to admit that we were wrong. But the plea and the promise of Jesus is that that is the way to life. Dig our heels in and we're just digging our hole deeper. Will you trust and submit and surrender to him fully and wholly? Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.